0: Chapter Seventeen of The Princess and the Ploughman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Princess and the Ploughman by Florence Morse Kingsley. Chapter Seventeen. The singular conviction as to the futility of his journey which had settled upon Hugh Gent, as he boarded the city-bound train, had increased to a feeling of gloom and despondency by the time he found himself inquiring for Mary at the house of her guardian on the following morning. It occurred to him that he had known beforehand that the haughty personage stationed at Judge Shantry's door would say to him in reply to his query, "'Mrs. Gent is not at home, sir.' he hesitated visibly under peter's stony gaze my name is Gent," he said at length and won't you come in sir urged peters undergoing a sudden metamorphosis from a footman to a man judge chantry will be wanting to see you sir judge chantry looking older than his wont and exceedingly worried rose to greet his visitor with some warmth when Peters ushered him into the library. "'I hope you have come to tell me that my ward is at your house,' he began. Hugh looked at him carefully. "'You are referring to my wife?' he asked. "'Yes, to your wife, to Mary. She left my house last night with merely a word to Peter's. She has not, er, as yet returned. Of course I have no doubt she is perfectly safe yet.' "'I do not know where she is,' said Hugh. "'This reply also he appeared to himself to have meditated for a long time "'previous to his utterance. "'I have not seen her since our wedding day,' he added heavily. "'I have already telegraphed to Miss Vivian, and received a reply,' "'continued Judge Chantry, with tokens of rising anxiety. "'Mary has not been there. "'I was about wiring you.' He looked keenly into the somber face before him. "'Why didn't you come before?' he asked abruptly. "'Because she didn't ask me to come,' replied Hugh, meeting the old man's shrewd gaze with a look of defiant anger. "'You've allowed another man, your nephew, to—to torment her.' "'You better ask him where she is.' "'You mean Jerome?' replied the judge mildly i admit i have not discouraged jerome's addresses because hugh's eyes blazed upon him well to be perfectly frank with you mr Gent, i found that my ward was considerably interested in yourself you had er somehow contrived to in short i gathered that while she herself was quite unaware of it she had a very profound faith in and esteem for her husband I felt confident that this would in time, in time, mind you, ripen into a truly wifely affection, and so. And so you have allowed her to be decoyed away, no one knows where, by this fellow. Chantry, where is he? He shall answer to me for her safety. Not so fast, sir. Jerome knows nothing whatever of Mary's whereabouts. I can assure you of that. He is quite as anxious as I. It was he, in fact, who proposed telegraphing you. It is fair, I think, Mr. Gett, that you should recognize the fact that I am entirely friendly to yourself. I was quite naturally displeased when I first heard of the marriage, for I had made different plans for Mary. I acknowledge it. But when I, er, had reason to believe that my ward cared for you, I took pains to look into your record, and I found to my surprise, sir, that your father was a very good friend of mine in earlier days. I also found that in many respects Mary could not have done better for herself. I did not see fit to make all of this known to her, nor did I press your claims by a hair's breadth. I recognized your sagacity in dealing with Mary's rather singular nature, and I suppose you were fully aware of your advantage and that you meant to follow it up i own sir that i have been somewhat astonished at your negligence i wrote to her said hugh gloomily and she did not acknowledge my letter by even a word yesterday he drew a deep choking breath of anger your nephew mr jerome chantry came to me asking for a release from the marriage from her the deuce he did exclaimed the old man sharply he didn't tell me so i said i would give it when when she asked for it i at this instant the library door swung open softly and jerome chantry walked in well uncle he began have you heard anything further his face stiffened you has mary no said hugh roughly he leaped to his feet and confronted jerome who recovered himself on the instant i merely thought that is the conversation i had with mary yesterday occurred to my mind and mr ghent has just informed me of your visit to him yesterday and its object interrupted the judge you did not see fit to make me acquainted with the fact on the contrary i came to you for that express purpose this morning uncle said mr Chantry smoothly i had just succeeded in obtaining from mary her signature to the paper which mr Gent was pleased to demand and what do you mean hugh's voice was hoarse and weak supposing for the moment as i certainly choose to do until we hear to the contrary that Mary has taken the not unusual liberty of spending the night with a friend. This is not a bad time to finish the business, preliminary to the annulment of the marriage. If Mr. Ghent will kindly supplement this document with another, formally granting the request herein named, I will at once place the matter in your hands for the usual legal procedures. And Jerome bowed politely to his elder relative hugh's haggard eyes devoured the brief contents of the paper which the other handed him with a sneering smile it was signed clearly mary adams Gent. it contained a formal demand for an unconditional release from her marriage when was this signed he asked yesterday afternoon answered mr Chantry, licking his lips nervously would you like to look at it uncle judge chantry scanned the paper carefully you drew this up jerome he asked staring at his nephew keenly over the top of his glasses certainly sir i wish to spare her all unnecessary trouble and annoyance in the matter said jerome glibly mary is a most sensitive shrinking woman he added sentimentally SHE PARTICULARLY DREADED ANY— AND SHE SIGNED THIS, YOU SAY, WHEN? YESTERDAY AFTERNOON. MR. CHANTRY OCCUPIED HIMSELF WITH AN AIR OF GRAVE SOLICITUDE IN PRODUCING A SECOND PAPER FROM HIS POCKET. IF MR. GENT WILL KINDLY— HE STOPPED SHORT FOR HUGH'S LEAN, BROWN HAND HAD CLOSED LIKE A POWERFUL VICE UPON HIS PLUMP SHOULDER. He said not a word, but there was murderous anger in his blue eyes. "'Let him alone, my boy,' said Judge Chantry, compassionately. Then he turned sharply to Jerome. "'This paper is worth nothing, sir.' "'Why, why not?' stammered Jerome. He had turned a disagreeable yellowish-white about the lips. "'The signature is not witnessed, for one thing.' Said the judge solemnly, "It would be well, Jerome." He went on, after a pause, "If you will see fit to burn this paper now, do you understand?" Mister Chantry tore the document violently in twain and cast the fragments upon the blaze. "She hates you," he snarled hysterically. "She, she despises you." "Tell me where she is," threatened Hugh stooping over him menacingly i i don't know upon my word as a gentleman i haven't seen her since yesterday i i left her that is i heard her go upstairs peters will tell you that that she left the house more than an hour after i did that is true interrupted judge chantry quietly jerome was edging toward the door "'You will find everything I have told you is true. "'If you ever see her again,' he added darkly. "'The two men heard the door close after him. "'Then they looked at each other fixedly. "'No,' said the judge quietly, "'answering a ghastly fear, "'which looked out from the other's haggard eyes. "'Mary hasn't been very happy of late, "'but she is no coward. "'Go home, my boy. "'I believe you will find her there.' and if you find her there keep her this time hugh grasped the old man's outstretched hand i will he said solemnly end of chapter 17 recording by john brandon